Good morning, church. <clears throat> and happy Mother's Day. For the third or fourth time, we're so excited to have all the mothers here today. Uh, I want to discuss with you today a faithful mother from our Old Testament text. And I'm excited to relay this story from you for you because it has three important themes that I, I believe we can learn from this. And uh, God's Word is so good to us. So turn in your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 1. Now before we get started with that, I want to uh, quote a verse to you. So uh, just, uh, just a verse that I, I, I like to say is... Um, Mark chapter 10, verse 18, Jesus tells us that no one is good except God alone. In the book of Romans, uh, chapter 3, verse 10, Jesus' words are repeated. It says, no one is righteous, not even one. So when somebody comes up to you and asks you, hey, how are you doing? You know, you can say good. And then you say, well, it always comes to my mind. Uh, the, the Bible says, you know, no man is good. And, and, and so, uh, not a single man is good. And, and somehow in my mind, I, I kind of changed it to, to, to man, you know, no man is good. And I often tell my wife that she is a good woman. And uh, so just yesterday, um, when I was uh, telling her, you know, are, are we good? And I was like, well, actually, no, no man is good. She says, yes, but woman can be good. Because you tell me I am a good woman. So we are grateful for all of the good women here today. Uh, though you are, uh, maybe you fit in this verse when it says no one is good. But there are godly women. And we are very grateful for you. So I'm excited to be talking to you about what a faithful mother is and how they impact our lives. So let's pray, and then we'll get started with 1 Samuel chapter 1. Father God, I ask that your Holy Spirit would come among us now and would set on fire our hearts for learning your word. God, that you would help us to apply it to our lives. We thank you for salvation through Jesus Christ, that he is the only way that we can get that salvation. We're so grateful that he loves us, that he gave his life, and he rose up so that we could be raised from death again, Lord, and live a holy, sanctified life with you in person, or whatever body that you have provided for us at that time. We are excited for that, and we praise and glorify your name. Amen. 1 Samuel, chapter 1, verses 2 through 8. Elkanah had two wives, Hannah and Penina. Penina had children, but Hannah did not. Each year... Elkanah would travel to Shiloh to worship and sacrifice to the Lord of Heaven's armies at the tabernacle. The priests of the Lord at that time there were two, or were the two sons of Eli, Hopni and Phineas. On the days Elkanah presented his sacrifice, he would give portions of the meat to Penina and each of her children. <clears throat> and though he loved Hannah. He would give her only one choice portion, because the Lord had given her no children. So Penina would taunt Hannah and make fun of her because of the Lord, because the Lord had kept her from having children. 
Year after year, it was the same. Panina would taunt Hannah as they went to the tabernacle. Each time, Hannah would be reduced to tears and would not even eat. Why are you crying, Hannah? Elkanah would ask. Why aren't you eating? Why be downhearted just because you have no children? You have me. Isn't that better than having ten sons? In this text, we have a couple of characters, Hannah and Elkanah. Hannah was Elkanah, or Elkanah, not exactly how you would have pronounced that in Hebrew, but Hannah was Elkanah's wife. <clears throat> Elkanah had uh, two wives, which is actually a violation of God's original design for marriage. We get that from Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. Uh, you know, God intended marriage to be between one man and one woman. But Hannah was most likely Elkanah's first wife because the most common reason for getting married again was infertility. Uh, it was a cultural practice at that point that if your first wife didn't provide children, you got married to another one, most likely younger, so that she could provide children for the man's heritage and the man's name to be passed on. Not God's law, man's decision. This, as you can imagine, having two wives in the home, added a great deal of tension in the household. Now, I don't know how that ever worked. I mean, there's enough tension in my household. <laughs> I don't know if, if I had two wives, they would probably uh, join together and come against me. Because, you know, it'd be hard to put up with me. And if there was two of them, I'd, I'd be done for. Anyway, uh, you wonder how this works. And we read Hannah's story, and it actually doesn't work. Uh, Elkanah, uh, he had the wife that he wanted in the first place, the one that he chose, the first one, Hannah, and he loved her. But he wanted children. She must have been heartbroken when she couldn't provide children for her husband, when she couldn't have sweet little babies. You know, perhaps she thought to herself, maybe it's not my fault. Then when her husband chose another wife and she had children, well, it proved that the infertility was in fact Hannah and not her husband. And on top of this, the new wife, she was a wretched woman. Oh, this woman. Her name was Penina, 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 I don't know, uh, Penina. That was the name of the wife. Uh, this, she's only talked about in this one chapter in the Bible. And every year when they went to the tabernacle, the text said, Panina would taunt her, would make fun of her, would tell her, you know, you don't have any children. Be a wretched woman. Oh, 
how horrible that must have been. How hard would that have been for Hannah to take that? You know, Hannah, the name, means a woman of grace. Now, if I were in Hannah's place, if I couldn't have children, if I was a woman and, uh, and the other wife was able to have children and then she made fun of me for not being able to have children, boy, I would have grabbed at that woman, that other wife. I would have grabbed her up and that woman, that panina, uh, and I would have told her, boy, I would have whipped her panene. <laughs> but... Perhaps uh, Penene probably wasn't even grateful for the children that she had. Man, the anger that would have been inside of me. But Hannah, Hannah was different. Hannah was a better woman than I would make, than I would be. She was a woman of grace. It would appear because of the text that she didn't lash out She didn't fight back. She didn't use slander or dirty words. She was hurt. She was in pain. She could have been angry with God. After all, it seems unfair that a woman with Penina's, I can't pronounce her name, Penina's ugly disposition would have many children while gracious Hannah didn't have any. It didn't seem fair. She could have been angry with God. But she wasn't because Hannah was graceful. Hannah was gracious. This is point number one that we can learn from Hannah and her story. Hannah was gracious. First Peter chapter 3, verse 4 says, You should clothe yourselves instead with the beauty that comes from within the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is so precious to God. Let me repeat a few words in there. A gentle and quiet spirit. I don't, I don't know. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm sure I'm different than... Every person is different, but when, when, when I get all bent out of shape and I lose my head in my house and and I have uh, four teenage daughters and a wife and and, and sometimes I'll just I'll just lose it and I kind of get to the point where I expect it coming back at me but it's the times when you know that gentle spirit quiet spirit comes through and I see the damage that I've done and that really gets to me that really makes me want to change, makes me feel like, man, what a, I could add explicit words in there, I am, and I change my ways. Or I try, because I don't want to be that kind of a person. Now listen, Hannah, she had a gentle and quiet spirit. She didn't grab Panina up and work her over. Hannah took her pain to God. 
Next time they went to the tabernacle, she prayed. 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 11 says, O Lord of heaven, heaven's armies, if you would look upon my sorrow and answer my prayer and give me a son. She prayed to God instead of lashing out. What a prayer this is. We'll get to the rest of the prayer in just a minute. But first, uh, while she was praying, the priests, by the way, his name is Eli, he was listening to her pray in the tabernacle that day. And evidently she had been praying so long and so hard that, well, maybe she started to lose her voice or maybe she didn't want to uh, pray out loud finally because she'd been doing it so long. And she started to pray silently, but her mouth was still, lose, uh, still moving. And Eli takes note of this. And Eli says in verses 12 through 18, As she was praying to the Lord, Eli watched her. Seeing her lips moving and hearing no sound, he thought she had been drinking. Must you come here drunk, he demanded. Throw away your wine. Oh no, sir, she replied. I haven't been drinking wine or anything stronger, but I'm very discouraged and I was pouring out my heart to the Lord. Don't think I am a wicked woman, for I have been praying out of a great anguish and sorrow. In this case, Eli said, go in peace. May the God of Israel grant the request you have asked of him. Oh, thank you, sir, she exclaimed. Then she went back and began to eat again, and she was no longer sad. Eli thought that she was drunk. She was in anguish and sorrow, praying to God, and she, she hadn't been drinking. She was, she was sober. And the priest, the priest had the nerve to call her drunk. Oh, oh boy, now listen, if I was Hannah, I would have grabbed up that priest and I would have whipped his nene. Panene. But she didn't. She acted out of grace. She used the beauty from within. The gentle and quiet spirit. She said, oh no, sir. She acted with humility, with respect. And then when she got through to him, she said, oh, thank you. Thank you, sir. It's worth noting that... uh, This humble mother gets more print in our Bible than any other mother except Mary, the mother of Jesus. Because Hannah was so gracious, her story continues to change the world even now as we learn from and follow her example. Hannah's story of raising a young man should be taken seriously to us. Hannah was also, on top of gracious, on top of graceful, she was persistent. This is point number two. Hannah was persistent. 
She continued to pray. She'd probably been praying for years to have a child, to have God allow her to have children. And she never gave up. Romans chapter 12, verse 12 says, Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. Keep on praying. She didn't know why God wasn't letting her have children. But she seemed to know that it was God's will that she did have God's children because she continued to pray. She kept on praying. What if we don't know what we are praying for if it is God's will or not? You're praying for something. You're not sure if it's God's will. Maybe I shouldn't pray for it. What if that's the case? Maybe you've prayed a while and nothing has happened. Should you give up? Jesus gives us an answer to that in Luke chapter 18, verses 1 through 8. He says, There was a judge in a certain city. Well, one day Jesus told his disciples a story to show that they should always pray and never give up. There was a judge in a certain city, he said, who neither feared God nor cared about people. A widow of that city came to him repeatedly saying, give me justice in this dispute with my enemy. The judge ignored her for a while, but finally he said to himself, I don't fear God or care about people, but this woman is driving me crazy. I'm going to see that she gets justice because she is wearing me out with her constant requests. Then the Lord said, learn a lesson from this unjust judge. Even he rendered a just decision in the end. So don't you think that God will surely give justice to his chosen people who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will grant justice to them quickly. But when the Son of Man returns... How many will he find on earth who have faith? Jesus tells us to pray and never give up. Cry out to God day and night. Pray to him. If it's not God's will, God knows that. Pray to him. Philippians chapter 4 verse 6 says pray about everything tell God what you need and thank him for all that he has done Jesus tells us again in Luke chapter 11 verses 9 through 13 he says and so I tell you keep on asking and you will receive what you have asked for keep on seeking and you will find keep on knocking and the door will be opened to you For everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. And everyone who knocks on the door, the door will be opened. You fathers, if your children ask for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? Or if they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who who ask him. Be persistent like Hannah was. Now, why does God make us wait for some things? 
why doesn't he just give it to us the first time we pray for it? I mean, that would be nice, wouldn't it? Pray for something and here it comes instantly. I don't know why we have to wait for some things. You know, only God knows that. Only God can answer that question for sure. But in the case of Hannah, we can see the other side of Hannah's answered prayer. And so we could agree that Hannah's waiting surely had an impact on her faith. Which is point number three. Hannah was a faithful woman. Hannah had faith. She had faith that God could do a miracle just like he did for Sarah and for Rachel before her. They also weren't able to have children until God made a miracle happen. She told Eli, Hannah did, she told the priest uh, about her prayer and she had faith that his intercession uh, with God would be answered by God. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 says, Faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. The evidence of things we cannot see. Last week, uh, on Sunday, we had baptisms. Uh, like Danny said, what a, what a glorious, wonderful time to see uh, folks give their life to Jesus, commit their life to Jesus, and then do that act in front of people, uh, you know, ready to serve God for the rest of their life, and, and stepping out in faith. Uh, that, that childlike faith, I, I, I don't know what's happening, but I'm ready to do it because God says Jesus is the way. A uh, little, little Madeline Beebe uh, came up to my wife uh, last Sunday, and she says, uh, she, she tugs on, on Jessica's leg and, and says, uh, Miss Jess, uh, why does Flint's dad drown people? Probably had a little concerned look on her face. And then my wife, Jessica, uh, explained to her uh, what baptism was and, and, and why Flint's dad was dunking people under the water. And, and, and she seemed uh, satisfied. At the, and I don't know if she knew what baptism w- was uh, before that, but, but she seemed satisfied and, and went away uh, satisfied with, with the answer. Uh, she accepted it. She had faith that it was good because an adult that she liked and trusted told her that I wasn't drowning people. This is the kind of faith that we need to have when God tells us something like we are forgiven. Or it'll be okay, don't worry. Or it's hard to be a mother, but God says you can do it then we should accept what God says. Just have the faith that it is the case. It's true. Now listen, Eli the priest, man, he, was, he wasn't the greatest priest. He didn't do a good job with his sons. Kind of a, a lousy father, I guess we could say. His, his two older sons, who also become uh, stepped up into the priesthood, 
they would save the most choice portions of the meat that was to be sacrificed to God and they would keep that for themselves and their families to eat. They would commit adultery with the, the other uh, ladies that served the, the temple. Not good fellas. Eli somehow didn't bring them up correctly or, or maybe he did and they went astray afterwards. But Eli wasn't doing anything about his sons in this point. He wasn't kicking them out. He wasn't stopping them from doing what they were doing. He would just simply uh, give them a little bit of a rebuke and then turn his head. So Hannah must have been worried. Second Timothy uh, chapter 2, verse 13 says, uh, if, if we are unfaithful, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny who he is. And we get the, the other half of the story about why, uh, why Hannah's prayer was answered in just a minute. But it's kind of ironic that Hannah's son, Samuel, would replace Eli's sons as the spiritual leaders of Israel. Uh, speaking of Timothy, we just read out of Second Timothy, verses 2, 13. Timothy was a young man who was influenced by two godly mothers. His grandmother and his mother raised Timothy up, taught him the good news of Jesus. Ben, what, what, a, what a great uh, testimony that you gave. Uh, you know, I, I happen to think that our, our young men, when, when I see our young men, our, our graduates here, I think, I think of Timothy's, um, how, how they are being raised up. And, and yesterday, you know, I went to a surprise birthday party for Miss Clo. Uh, I won't say her age because that's improper. Um, but uh, she is uh, doing well and and I seen her family gather around there, and the the faith that she just uh, spread through her family, and 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 it came from her and went to her, her her daughter Lynette, and and came from Lynette and went to her son, and I'm I'm not leaving out Steve here or the men, um, they're they're having an influence on Ben as well, but the idea of a faithful woman, a faint, faithful mother, having that kind of of impact on the world through the children that they raise up. It's an amazing thing. Now, uh, let's read the rest of, of Hannah's prayer in uh, 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 11. <clears throat> and she made this vow O Lord of heaven's armies, if you will look upon my sorrow and answer my prayer and give me a son, then I will give him back to you. He will be yours for his entire lifetime as a sign that he has been dedicated to the Lord. His hair will never be cut. <clears throat> so wait a second. God answers Hannah's prayer. And Hannah prays, you know, give me a son. But she says, 
I will offer him to you, Lord, for his entire life. And I, I know Hannah wants a child so desperately, and I, I guess she wants a child, I, I think she wants a child to care for and to love and then to keep, but she wants one so bad that she's able to, to offer him to the Lord for his life. I don't understand that, but what an amazing story of faith. She knows that God is good, and she is okay with giving her son to him. Hannah, at this point, made a commitment to God. The commitment was to offer her son for God's service. In other words, this commitment glorified God and advanced his kingdom. This may be the key as to why and in what timing God answers our prayers. When we pray for something, are we praying for it to advance God's kingdom? You know, we could pray for something like a new church for years. We could pray so that we can be more comfortable, so that we can spread out, and so it's not too hot in here. We could pray for that to increase our comfort and not see results. But if we pray for a bigger building, because it would help us to bring people to faith in Jesus and train them to be new disciples, then I believe we see results because He cares for us and we care for God's children. And by the way, we are seeing results, so I believe there are some faithful prayers going up to God. Hannah kept her end of the deal. This had to be really hard. Finally a child, finally a baby Samuel that she could take care of and she would give him up. And not only that, but she left them in the care of Eli who evidently did, a, again, a worthless job in raising his two own sons. How could she just drop Samuel off to, at the temple to be cared for by this priest? But actually... Eli probably didn't have much to do with the success of Hannah's son, Samuel. Let's make it clear. Hannah didn't, didn't leave little Samuel in the care of Eli. Hannah left little Samuel in the care of God. That's the job of a faithful mother. To place our children in the care of God. Let's submit our children to the Lord. Like Hannah, a faithful mother's priority is rearing her child for God's purposes with eternity in mind. Let's take Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4 through 9 seriously. It tells us, To listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I am giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you are at home and when you are on the road, and when you are going to bed, and when you are getting up, 
Tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Here we have an outline of what we are to do as mothers, as fathers, as as folks who raise up our children to be in the service of God. Uh, Teach them. Mothers, teach the children to do things like love uh, and, 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 and discipline. Teach them discipline. You know, I think of my own, my own rearing and my mother is such a gracious uh, person. Uh, she's graceful. And, and, you know, her and my father worked together. I remember the love and the grace that she had for me. Sometimes, sometimes her, her and my dad would work together in such a way. And I don't even think they were actually working together. It just ha- happened to work out. that Sometimes my mom would protect me from my father when he would get, when I would maybe run off or uh, do something silly and I would need, need uh, some discipline. And my dad would be ready to discipline me. And my, my mom would kind of calm him down. And, and you know what that did? Maybe they will if my mom is protecting me from my dad. My dad can really hurt me. This is serious. Uh, <clears throat> so I should, you know, my dad didn't abuse me at all. But he wasn't afraid to put, you know, put the discipline on me if I needed it. And I, I often did. And... My mom was, was a faithful also to when I really needed it, when she thought I really needed it, to go ahead and let my dad have me. And she kind of made that decision. And as mothers, uh, you hold a lot of power in raising your children. Uh, let's get that power from God's word. He tells us how to do it. Because Hannah was graceful, <clears throat> because Hannah was persistent, and because Hannah was faithful, her young man, Samuel, heard from God in a time when Israel's leaders had not heard from God in many years. Samuel stepped into a vacant leadership role and became the greatest and the last judge of Israel. Samuel mentored the first king of Israel, Saul, and he anointed the the greatest king of Israel, David. Samuel sets an example for us to speak the truth, to obey God, and to remain dedicated to the Lord for our whole life just as his faithful mother, Hannah, raised him to do. Hannah was blessed after Samuel when she offered him to the Lord. God blessed her with other children as well. God is good and he gives us blessings that are far beyond what we can imagine. Now we are so glad, so thankful to have such faithful ladies, such faithful women here in our church. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 25, verses 23, tells us that uh, what Jesus tells us, if we've lived a life uh, faithfully, well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. 
if you are a mother today, I want to tell you just in the part of taking ownership of your child and to do your best, well done. If you've been faithful in handling that small amount, then uh, God will give you more. You will continue to raise up. You know, we got graduates and they're maybe 18, they're ready, maybe they're ready to leave the house. Uh, Your job is not done, mothers. You need to continue to raise them. So let's celebrate together our mothers. I want to have the elders come up. We're going to pray over all the mothers here, all the the mothers that have, have been faithful over time want to also present you, faithful mothers, with a gift. Uh, The group uh, Men on Fire, we decided that we love our women so much, that we uh, love our faithful mothers, that uh, we wanted to to show you how by uh, uh, making a gift for you. And it it will be out in the lobby. It, it, it uh, It looks like this. The, the the guys wouldn't let me put it on to model it. <clears throat> women of faith who are faithful women. Proverbs 31, verse 29 through 31. As you leave today, uh, choose the size that fits you. It will be out there on the table. We should have plenty of them. And if there's not enough, then we'll we'll sure get more. But I want to read you the verse that's on this shirt. Proverbs chapter 31 verses 29 through 31 in, in closing. There are many virtuous and capable women in the world, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceptive and beauty does not last, but a woman who fears the Lord will be greatly praised. Reward her for all she has done. Let her deeds publicly declare her praise. That's our prayer that you will continue, uh, faithful mothers, to raise the children, to be faithful to what God has put in your path, and that you will proclaim the name of Jesus, His salvation, His resurrection, so that we can have new life again. Uh, Bruce, Larry?
All right, uh, band, when you want to come up and lead us in worship.